Good morning, and welcome back to the Living Every Now podcast. My name is Jake. And my name is Will. And uh, welcome back. <laughs> what are we talking about today, Jake? Um, so I've been reading Atomic Habits recently, and I know you're familiar with the book, and it's a pretty popular book. I highly recommend you go read it yourself if you're listening to this. And things like habits have been front of mind. And what I would like to talk about today is sort of a sub-conversation of habits. And I want to call the episode... Design your environment, design your life. Okay. Okay. And this is about how your environment affects your habits? Yeah. Okay. So James Clear opens Atomic Habits with a little bit of metaphysics. Um, Okay. (laughs) I haven't read Atomic Habits. Oh, you haven't? Not the whole thing. Okay. Fair enough. I'm sure you could get the gist. Um, He has spark notes at the end of every chapter if you really want a refresher. he, he starts with a little bit of metaphysics, in my opinion, and he what he says is basically your habits start to shape your identity. And this is where I'm getting the design the environment, design your life, is because your habits ultimately shape who you are. And the reason that is, is because we reinforce behaviors and things that we tell ourselves, and then those become the things we are. Do you know who it was who said you are what you repeatedly do? I don't, but that's that falls right in line yeah. with exactly what we're talking about here. Yeah. Pardon me. So I found that really impactful and I and I hadn't thought about my habits before like that, but I think that that carries a lot of weight and it's very true. If you continually or continually smoke, you start to think of yourself as a smoker. You continually wake up early. You start to think of yourself as a morning person. Oh, so you're thinking about like the reinforcing loop of the psychology. Like you become Ex- that person, so you're more likely to do the things that kind of person does. Exactly. Okay. So, so our, you know, the fundamental truth that he opens his book with, and he says, "Hey, look, we have to be on the same page about one thing before I tell you everything else I'm about to tell you. It's that what you start doing, you will become, basically, right? Like that, what you do shapes your identity." And who you think you are. Okay. And how do you see this in light of some of the discussions we've had on the podcast before about detaching yourself from outcomes? So you can't think of yourself as a famous musician through habits. You can think of yourself as a musician through habits because you are what you repeatedly do. Right. If you do music a lot, you are a musician. You think like a musician. Right. That becomes who you are. Uh-huh. But that has to be detached from the outcomes because you can't think of yourself as a successful musician because you can't make being a successful musician a habit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're, that, so we're I, I think yeah, that's totally in line with what you were saying in that yeah. episode. Yeah. We're square. We're square that these are, these just reinforce who you currently are mm-hmm. if that, or, or what you currently do. So his advice in that, in that context, we don't, this is the last note I'll have on this, but his advice in that context is for example, there's a big difference in a person who's trying to quit smoking and they're offered a cigarette. In two instances, they're both offered a cigarette and they're both the person trying to com- uh, quit smoking, quit the habit of smoking. In one instance, the person says, uh, no, thank you, I'm trying to quit smoking. And in the other instance, which he claims there's a lot more power in, which I tend to believe him, is I'm not a smoker. I don't need a cigarette. So... The habits shape the identity, the identity shapes the habits, and, and it's, a, it's kind of a circular loop that can 
is really turn your life around depending on that. There's, there's a lot of power in that, that you can turn your life around into really whatever kind of person you want to be each day. And, um, hopefully design habits that reinforce good things in your life, like waking up early, I mm-hmm. guess is a good one or, or being diligent and, and, uh, calling your family. I'm a guy that I'm a guy that's a good family man. Like I, I make sure I reach out to my family members. That's a way to reinforce that. Okay. So talk about how environment fits into this. Mm. So now that we're all on the same page about this, let's get into environment. So we, especially in since March 2020, have had to deal with a lot more environments in one space than we would like. And what I mean by that is we have places that serve a lot of functions. So it's become, um, environment has always been a big part of how you perform and and how what kind of habits you choose to do but with that added pressure of everybody working from home we have a lot more choices to make a lot more um, environments that can either be good or bad for us and it's important that we are intentional with them and strategic because our environment has a lot of impact on how we act if you had the 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 funds and the resources would you make your life so that every environment you're in only has one purpose exactly yeah that's that's kind of the point so or what i want to get to by the end of this um so we we are very visual people i mean we're very visual animals is my 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 point and so often if you see something in your environment, it will trigger a response. And you read uh, Marshall Goldsmith's triggers, mm-hmm. correct? It's it's along the same lines here as Atomic Habits environment design. Um, he he talks about it very clearly. And and I know that uh, we've we've discussed parts of this conversation before this podcast that we both have made environmental decisions to in order to affect positive change in our lives. Um but basically, if you see it, you are going to do it. So and if you don't see it, you're not going to do it. Give me an example of what you're talking about. Yeah, we need to add a lot of context. It's, okay. it's hard to get there, um, at least initially. But basically, if you, if you, there's a concept of friction, right? Mm-hmm. And friction is, is, is a principle that's universal. But if you are doing something that you want to do, you want to reduce the friction of that task. You want to make doing something that you want to add to your life to, and shape your identity, easy to do. So for me, that's brushing my teeth. I leave my toothbrush out on a stand on, in the bathroom so that I can see it. It's like not hidden in a cup or anything. It's, it's out stood up so that it's propped up and I, I see the toothbrush and I remember to brush my teeth. That's so gross. I'm sorry, but I, I need to like work on my habit of brushing my teeth twice a day. So Morning's solid, but at night I need to make sure it's like right there. And if if I um, you know, this this has actually been a successful uh, anecdote for my last month. I've tried not to eat any sweets or desserts, and I haven't bought any sweets or desserts or had them in the house or had them readily available. Um, and I haven't allowed myself to buy them outside, so not seeing sweets or desserts has allowed me to not eat sweets or desserts. Yeah, I think it's huge to just not give yourself the option. Right, right, and and take away the trigger. So sometimes, um, sometimes we have habits like that stack on each other, 
in good ways oh, and keystone ba- habits. Yeah, we have habits that stack on each other. And and that's a that's actually a Stanford professor, B.J. Fogg. You know him nope. from he he talks about if you get into the habit world, <laughs> he talks about um, uh, tiny habits. I think is his concept, but he talks about habit stacking in in his book. Um, and basically, if you if you do one behavior. You usually follow with another behavior and another behavior and another behavior. And that's why more things like morning routines are so successful is because you wake up and make your bed. And that's the trigger for 10 other habits that you have that follow, right? Like I meditate after I do this and I, and I brush my teeth after I meditate and I, and I take a walk around the block after I done brush my teeth and I, then I take a shower after I'm done doing this. So, so you can, you can stack your habits and then, and then have a, uh, like even more impactful time in a good light, but you can also stack your habits in a negative way. So if you are um, watching TV, for example, it's much easier to um, grab a bag of cookies if you're used to eating while you uh, watch TV. So things, things we have to be very intentional about you know, what kind of context we surround our habits with, what kind of uh, environment the situation arises in and, and what cues cue us to do certain things that we either like or, or dislike about ourselves. Because ultimately those actions are going to shape who we think we are is the thesis, right? Okay. So one thing I struggle with in this is consistency over long time frames. Mm-hmm. So I'll always be good for like the first week or two weeks uh-huh. when I'm trying to to stick to a new habit. Right. But, you know, as the months go by, like it's easy to kind of forget the intention that you set. And then, so I used to have a rule that I wouldn't even bring my cell phone into my bedroom. Mm. And then because I was doing school at the time, like I had to have my laptop in my bedroom and then, like sometimes you need to log in on your laptop and it sends you a code on your phone. So like you right. bring your, your phone in there and slowly your habits start to like chip away and then eventually now I'm at the point where like oh yeah I just like sleep with my phone three inches from my head (laughs) and it's it's bad um so what do you think about like habits over the long long term that are not just based on motivation in the moment I think that motivation is always finite so we have to find ways around this because we're not going to be motivated all the time but We've 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 read a million things about how we can um, we we don't we don't rise to the the grandness of our goals. We fall to the shallowness of our systems, or something like that. I think that's the quote. But basically, if you have a bad system, you're you can't ever reach any grandiose level. And 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 what are you using system and environment synonymously here? I'm using habit, like your 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 group of habits as system. Okay. So like all the habits in your life as a okay. system, um, whether they're good or bad, but it is nonetheless, it, it affects you and who you think you are, which is the crazy part to me. Um, to answer your question, I think we have to have a habit of reevaluation and assessment of ourselves that occurs on a, on a set time frame basis so that we can, uh, we can, reevaluate those things and then, and then change our environment to help us get back into a better habit because you, you're going to decide whether or not that's a good habit or a bad habit for you. Cause it doesn't matter. Like it, it depends on the person, like watching TV may be a really good habit for somebody and maybe a horrible habit for another person because 
of the intention set behind it. Like some person may use that as a stress reliever and some other person may use that as a, um, like filling up the, the noise, like filling up their life with noise. Uh, not, not as, not as intentionally just to fill the, um, gap of the world. Do do you know what I mean? Like when you're, when you're kind of interacting with throughout your day and, and you have moments of silence, like they're filling that silence instead of like embracing the silence. It's not intentional. It's more of a, I turn on music when I go on a walk just to hear something a little bit. Exactly. Escapism. There you go. Thank you. I couldn't find the word. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's just forming good habits of informing good environments that help you do the, do the habit of self-assessment. So maybe, uh, leaving, if you have a journal that is your self-assessment journal, leaving that out um, often. And maybe it's only one journal for self-assessment. Maybe that would help. Or do you like. have a weekly review process where you go through your habits or monthly or how do you do it? So I'm actually, this is actually one of the things I really want to work on is because my self-review is actually pretty poopy. <laughs> like I, my habit for self-review is really shoddy. Like I don't do it enough and I kind of do it when I want to instead of on a time frame. And it's not consistent. So I do it, but I don't do it as systemically as I would like to because I feel like doing it on a set time frame would allow me to see measured growth over the same time frame or measured depletion over the same time frame and allow me to adjust a little bit more accurately. Um, so do you in see your what I'm review, are you trying to track like metrics or just go through a list of your habits or how would you... Yeah. How would you see progress? Yeah, metrics, habits, and I think we all know when we're doing things that we don't want to be doing and when we're lying to ourselves or well, not lying to yourself, I guess, but when you're when you start losing your self integrity with yourself, like, hey, I'm gonna wake up at six thirty tomorrow and you wake up at six fifty, like that's a that's a loss with your own integrity. And you those things build up. You know, you know when you're doing those things. So allowing yourself the the space and time to then reflect on those things is important. Um, and I think doing them from with a set time frame is even more important because like I said, you can see growth or, or not the like absence of growth. Um, I think a little bit more accurately, but I want to, I want to come back to the environment design because ultimately designing your, or at least in my life, designing my environment has helped me do certain things better and worse. So, I mean, look around this room, um, this is, this room is actually very intentional despite what it looks like. So I have uh, a 12 by 12 turf mat on the floor and it's because, uh, grass, and this is my room that I do for music, by the way. And I've, and I've set this room up for music and the intentionality of making music. And I try to keep the functionality of this room as a creative space. So I don't, I, I try my very hardest and I've, and I've done a couple days, but I try my very hardest not to ever do my day job in this room. And that's why I have a desk out in the, in the living room that is where I sit down to do my day job or I go to a coffee shop and do something there for my day job. In this room, it's a sacred space for me that I create things. So the grass is different. There's a lot of visual cues in here. There's, there's a, a super flamboyant Naruto rug on the floor. There's guitars out and present. That's really important because I want to be practicing my guitars. I don't want them in my cases in the room somewhere. I want them out where I can see them because they're visual cues that I should play it. 
and and just there's there's crazy statistics and I don't I don't know them <laughs> I've just read them but there's crazy statistics about just um, incorporating something in your plain sight versus not having it in your plain sight and how much more often you use them so for example I leave my books out that I'm reading I don't keep them on my bookshelf so that I pick them up and I read them. So, and then I, I leave my guitars out so I can pick them up, read them. I leave my cameras out so I can quickly use them and make sure I get the use out of them. And if you, like, if you look around the room, my whole room is set up with different triggers like that to make sure that I'm getting the most out of what I want to be doing with my time. So I, you've identified two, two strategies here. One of them is just put stuff in plain sight. Mm -hmm. And the other one is remove the trigger completely like sugar. Yeah. Um, are there any other strategies to to make your environment more optimized? So back to the kind of the work from home, um, the work from home thing, and 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 what you said before this, where if you had the resources, if you had the money, have one function for every room you're in, or something like that. So n we are not millionaires. I hate this. I hate to break it to you guys, um, but we haven't made it yet, and that's okay. <laughs> but what that means is we don't have the resources to have a room for every single function. And, and what that means is also you should be careful with the individual things that you do on, on individual parts of your room, for example. So not necessarily that you have a different room for everything. Like I said, like I don't, I, I create in here and in reality, I wish it was just a music room. And I could just create music because every time I walk into that room, I, my brain would be ready to create music because of the environmental triggers. If, if in, in a perfect world, I would have a room for making clothes, a room for designing stuff on my own time, a room for my day job where I'm designing, and a room for music. And all of those things would be completely separate. And I wouldn't cross, like I'd have a different computer even if I could in all of those different rooms. I wouldn't, I wouldn't let the environment dictate anything other than what the purpose of that room was for. And so I've lived in New York. I feel for you. If you have a small space, I know what it's like. The, the advice that James Clear gives in his book is just to turn the, uh, the different aspects of your room into different environments, for example. So he says, don't ever work on the bed, for example, because that's where you sleep. And if you talked to a couple episodes ago, we talked about sleep. Another great tip for sleep is to not be on your phone or not do anything other in your bed than sleep because your brain starts to recognize that cue that this bed right here, that's, that's for when I turn my lights off. Do you ever read in bed? Do I ever read in bed? I do read in bed. Okay. I do read in bed. Um, and I haven't found that to negatively like or adversely affect me. Also, because we talked about this, I feel like reading makes me tired. So it helps honestly okay. sometimes get me to bed when I'm a little restless and um yeah I don't, we don't have to go into that <laughs> but I think that having as as many as many different things in your life right let's go back to a small space but but having as many things in your life um serve a specific function you can you can have a, a more intentional more impactful environment so say you're in you have a one room apartment in New York City for example you have a um, desk chair, you have a bed, you have a corner, um, couch sofa thing kind of, and you have a TV on the wall. So if I was, if I was going to have a great setup, I would never do, um, like my reading anywhere other than that couch sofa. And I would never do my work anywhere other than the desk. And I would never, um, I would never like 
do anything productive on my t- television with my television on. Um, and then I would never do anything but sleep in my bed. So those, that was a way to just, inv- just kind of design the environment of one room to give you a space where you feel like you can be who you want to be in. So I feel myself like trying to push back a little bit because I want to think that discipline is more important than environment and that if you were a disciplined person, it wouldn't matter if you, you know, worked at the same desk that you made music at or whatever. But I know that that's not really true. And at the end of the day, like human willpower and determination and discipline is finite and it's probably best to not even fight the battle. Yeah, no, I, so, I, yeah, if you have the option, just totally don't give yourself the option to have yeah, the battle. Exactly. I think a lot of the wins in discipline are just like the most disciplined people I know just do things like this. They, they, they cut out decisions for themselves mm-hmm. so that they aren't making the decision. It's, it's a, it's a decision that past me made to benefit future me. Um, James Clear, do you mind if I get into a couple like ways that he talked about, or do you want to say more? Um, the only thing I can think to say other than that is this ties back to a, a principle, Ooh. which weirdly I, I've been thinking about a lot recently, which is just having boundaries and everything and how the key to every relationship and especially relationships with yourself are all about boundaries. So okay. if you, if you don't let yourself, you know, work, at this specific spot or you don't let yourself stay up past a certain time. Uh-huh. I guess like the key to good habits, which is the key to being a consistent person. The and, person you want to be. Yeah. The right? person you want to be, I guess it's all about boundaries and it's not any different than any other relationship. Interesting. I haven't thought about it like that, but I think you're, I think you're right. At least me hearing that and not taking time to dissect it or anything. It feels, it feels right. I think if you're good at boundaries, especially with yourself, you're probably going to be better at boundaries with all your other relationships. That's so. true. Yeah. yeah. I like your quotes. I like that. I like that. Um, so in the book, I just wanted to provide some surefire examples of what I'm talking about if I haven't hammered the point home already. Um, so here, this is directly from Atomic Habits. Quote, unquote, here are a few ways you can redesign your environment and make the cues Uh, for your preferred habits more obvious. One, if you want to remember to take your medication each night, put your pill bottle directly next to the faucet on the bathroom counter. It's in a place where you can see it and you can grab it and take your medication. You remember to take it because you're going to be at the faucet um, when you're about to go to bed anyway if you brush your teeth, do your nightly routine, whatever. Two, if you want to practice guitar more frequently, place your guitar stand in the middle of the living room. This is something I did. That's funny. Um, if you want to remember to send more thank you notes, keep a stack of stationery on your desk. These seem obvious, right? But we, we don't design our environments intentionally. Uh, four, if you want to drink more water, fill up a few water bottles each morning and place them in a common location around the house. So one thing on what you just said, mm-hmm. all of this is super obvious, but the not obvious part is, is knowing what to want. Like, mm. like, yeah, if you want to drink more water, everyone can figure out like, oh, okay, I'll just have a water bottle with me. But getting people to the point where they want to drink more water, I think is the hard part. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. I think this kind of shit. Yeah, it's just hard work. Yeah, this kind of shit is important though, like the exposure to this idea, I guess. Because mm-hmm. um, that's the kind of shit that got me on any sort of wave to 
do anything good for myself was listening to other people expose me to those ideas, I guess. Yeah. So I think that's where our role is really important. Um, but he, he, he closes that out with, if you want to make a big habit or if you want to make a habit, a big part of your life, make the cue a big part of your environment. So if you, if you sit there and prioritize all your habits and you think about the things that really make up who you are and, and the most important of those batch, your environment should reflect that. Is is kind of the synopsis of this whole episode. Do you have any triggers or environmental cues that you use for exercising? Because I think I could use a few of those. Oh, yes. I love these because they really help. Okay, so much like sleep, I try and exercise the same time every day. That's the first one. That helps me. Um, I try not to have off days. So there's days where I definitely don't go lift weights. But the other times I go play basketball with you or I do yoga in the living room or I just take that time to stretch or something like that. Um, and it's not super regimented and disciplined, but again, it's every day. So it gets my body ready for it. At the same time, like I start to get antsy around that time every day now that I've been doing it. I've only been doing this for like three weeks, guys. Like <laughs> I'm not perfect, but but it has been working for the last three weeks. Another thing I've done the entire time is always change my outfit. Changing your clothes really gets you in a good mindset to do a new task. Um, so every time I've ever wanted to work out, even if I was wearing athletic clothes at my other time frame, I would change into new athletic clothes or at least change my shirt or at least change my shorts or something that's a visual cue to me that I'm putting on my outfit for working out. I feel like if you're already at the point of changing your clothes to go work out, then you've already won. But I struggle like one step before that of like, oh, it's approaching three o'clock my workout time. I should stop working and go change my clothes. Really? Okay. Like, like, what is the environmental trigger there? Maybe you just said, uh, I don't, I don't know how to help. Um, so one thing I've done recently, which has been beneficial for me, was I put a pull-up bar in my door frame. That's so super. Every, that's a super. Yeah, right every time that. I yeah. I walk through my door, I either do pull-ups or I feel bad about the fact that I'm not <laughs> doing pull-ups. Um, and just having it more accessible, right in your face, in your environment has definitely been beneficial for me. No, that's that's exactly what we're talking about. You're, you're completely aligning with the principles I'm talking about. You wanted to do more pull-ups. You wanted to be a little bit more athletic. You put a pull-up bar right where you pass by every single day. Mm -hmm. And now you do more pull-ups, right? I definitely do more pull-ups. <laughs> I assume. I assume. <laughs> Anything more than zero is, is more. <laughs> so so that's interesting. And um, I don't know I don't know about the, the context of um, helping you shape the gym question. Because... I at this point I get to three o'clock and I'm like, okay, let's go. Like I'm ready to work out. Like I need it. I also I also sleep better too, so that's like a side benefit. Okay. And it's a motivator to go work out. So along with environment, something I think we've gotten better about recently is uh, having accountability in habits. So when we do our mm. our weekly meeting for living every now, we we set like a personal goal for ourselves that week. Mm -hmm. And we tell each other what that personal goal is and having kind of the, the social pressure has been useful for me at least to at least try to make those things more of a habit. Yeah. It's much easier to do things in, or it's much easier not to stick to things in a vacuum. 
Um, so you'll notice that with the sweets thing, it was really important to me. And that's why I just told you, it wasn't even on a weekly basis or anything. I actually wanted to not eat sweets for a month. But if you walk in our living room, it says it right on the whiteboard when I'm allowed to eat sweets again. And, and that's, that's a, that's an important principle. If you, if you really want to stick to something, I think shared accountability is really helpful. Not, it's not important, but it is helpful. Um, you can, I think it's super important. You can do it without it though, is the point. But yeah. I think it's, I think it's almost like a game changer and much, much like designing your environment's a game changer. You take the pressure off of all of these things, all of these things take the pressure off your own decisions and your own brain to spend more on focusing on doing the habit and less on the why, the when, the et cetera. Like you don't have the, you don't have the, um, weight of the decision anymore because past you's already made the decision. You just have to follow the program, bro. Like stick with the program. You're going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, we talked about this a little bit, but James Clear also said, we mentally assign our habits to the locations locations in which they occur, the home, the office, the gym. So with working from home, it was really important for me to get another desk. At least I don't have like multiple computers or anything, but at least bringing the act of bringing my computer into another room to do work, uh, putting on a set of work clothes also helps me. Doing uh, a couple like mental triggers, like right after I do my daily journal is when I start my work. Um, all those things have helped me work better. I think especially I've noticed recently that I started putting on jeans again to work. And when I put on jeans or like when I put on a button up shirt, I feel way more like I'm working than when I'm wearing something more casual. And I think that's been a helpful trigger for me to you think it's a comfort thing. Like if you're a little bit uncomfortable, yeah, you like sit straighter in your chair and get work done faster. Dead ass. <laughs> Dead ass. Like I've just been more on it. I feel like the last two weeks and it's, be- it's def- I've the only difference is I've changed what I'm wearing. Huh. And so this is another important point. So this is, this is the context of, of where you do work. Sometimes the most important thing you can do for your environment is get out of it. When things get stale, we talked about this literally yesterday. You're like, I'm like 50% more productive at the coffee shop or something like that. I forget what you said, but sometimes you are just being in another environment is super helpful um, because you're not seeing the same triggers that you're used to and you don't have the um, kind of like residual bias of those triggers and how they're infecting you in your current environment. So when, if you can shift into a completely new environment, you often get a blank slate to not be cued by anything um, until that environment then becomes um, something you're used to again. Okay, so two things I want to bring up is... You better bring them up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I will. Don't, don't, you do it. don't you worry. Um, first one is we think about environment as like a physical environment, but mm. the, the two things I want to bring up are environments that are not physical. So your social environment. Ooh. So kind of like who you hang around with, who you socialize with. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is your digital environment. So yeah. like the apps you have on your computer, like you could go to a coffee shop and be in a completely new like physical environment. But if you're still getting, you know, discord notifications, that's going to pull you away from doing the work that you want to be doing. Totally. So, Okay. I, I actually want to ask you about social environment first before we get into digital environment. Do you okay. have any, because James Clear actually talks about social environment. He's like, you're much more apt to do things like drink if you're at a party 
Mm-hmm. If you're much more apt to like smoke weed, if you, if people offer it to you, yeah. right? Um, how do you how do you stick to your habits or stick to your discipline in social situations, or how do you design your social environment to suit what kind of person you want to be? Well, I don't really have much much of a social environment <laughs> right now. I I have um, my roommate you, and that's that's most of my social environment right now. Um, but all time, not not necessarily right now. Anything that's worked in the past. I honestly think you and I moving in together is a super big social environment aid yeah, for both of us. You are the people who you hang around. Right. So I, that's kind of the, everything I'm going to say is going to come back to that. Yeah. And and just, just knowing the people who you hang around, you know, that affects you. And if you don't want to be like them, don't hang around them. That's true. That's true. But I also have plenty of friends that smoke weed and plenty of friends that drink all, all the time. And I cannot drink. And I cannot smoke weed. And if you were hanging around them all the time, I think it'd be much harder. I just have resolve, I think. I don't know where I get it from, but I I signed this like pact with my well, I signed it with myself first. My dad like jumped on. Don't don't think this was his idea. But I was like, Jake's gonna make a million dollars and then I can smoke weed. And that was my internal pact I signed with myself because I felt like weed was an ambition suck, or at least at the time I saw it as that. Um, and I'm like, don't really see it as that now, but I'm also, I also signed the pack with myself. So I want to honor that for my own personal integrity. And my dad also hopped on. I, I cause a couple years later, he like found out somehow he's like, you haven't smoked weed. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and he's like, why? And I'm like, because, um, I signed this pack with myself and he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, if I make a million dollars, I can, I can finally smoke weed. Cause I felt like enough to like, you know, I've done enough here that, you know, ambition is, I've got enough ambition at that point. If I've made a million dollars is, is the point. And he's like, oh man, I'll smoke one with you if you make a million dollars. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's, this makes it even sweeter. Now I really got to stick to it. So, um, you had something written on your whiteboard in your room. Like we we fall to the, what is it? Uh, resolve of our purpose or something? Um, you will never succeed beyond the purpose to which you are willing to surrender. Right. So I, I feel like because I have that kind of purpose driving my resolve, I won't ever falter until I reach that because it's been reinforced and held uh, socially accountable by my dad, who's also somebody I don't really want to disappoint. Like as much as I don't want to disappoint myself, you don't want to disappoint your people around you more, I feel like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's what helps me, um, in a social environment. So what was the principle there? Like just having someone who is accountable? No, I think just have like, if you really never, if you really don't want to do things, like what's your purpose? What's your intention? Why? And then make that like brandish it. It should be, it should be bold and, and front of mind for you all at all times. Like I'm never going to forget that. And I've been around the most weed from our non-weed smoker, I think ever. I think I've been, I think I've been cued to smoke weed more than the average person, just because of where I used to work and and living in New York City and like my freshman my freshman year in 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 St. John's, I had nine. I was one of nine roommates in in like a four bedroom, <laughs> and seven of the nine roommates smoked weed every day. 
every single day. And then in the studio, literally every, I was the only person that did not smoke weed in the studio every night. So are you saying that you kind of don't become the people you hang around as long as you, I think, I think it's, I don't, I don't, I don't know about blanket statements, but all I'm saying is like having a great resolve, um, to things that I really care about has allowed yeah, me. I mean, obviously having boundaries with yourself is yeah. the first step. But like, how did I get, th- like, that's such a strong resolve. I wonder if, I, I wish I could like teach that to other people, you know? I don't know. And it's, it's, it's honestly like trivial. Maybe that's why too. It's like, it doesn't really matter. Maybe that's why I've been able to stick to it. It's because like my life really isn't changed either, either way. If it was more enticing, maybe it'd be much harder. But like weed's weed. It's like just fun. Like nobody's like, oh my God, my life is different now because I smoked uh, purple haze. <laughs> Maybe they are. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Either way, digital environment. Um, I think we often, like you go to work and you have like two screens and they've got you set up with all these monitors and stuff. It's actually super detrimental to your environment to have two screens in my opinion. Because you don't focus on one thing at a time. You try to multitask and we're not multitaskers. We think we're multitaskers, but we're not multitaskers. We, we can only do one thing at a time. And having one screen or pulling that back, allowing me to have one screen has allowed me to focus on one thing at a time. You look here, I have two screens, right? But I always close that bottom one if I'm So using. why do you have the top one then? Because I like the bigger workspace, to, especially when I'm like making shit. I like to use the bigger workspace, but I'll close that and just use the one screen up top. Okay. Um, and I'm referring to closing my MacBook and using the bigger monitor. Um, I'm pointing and that's not helpful for you guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, in your digital workspace, like I, I have really strict boundaries for when I take meetings. I have really strict boundaries for um, what apps I have open while I'm working and what apps I have closed while I'm not working. I don't let Slack stay open like past five. I don't um, open it up actually before nine. <laughs> and sometimes that causes arguments at work and it's okay with me because I get to focus on making stuff. I'm a maker at work um, and I need to have time to work. Um, I, don't, I don't check messages other than, other than twice a day. I check them in the middle of the day and at the end of the day and that helps me stay focused um, and not have distractions. And all these things are just environmental setup to make sure that I can succeed in my digital workspace too. So do you have any things that you like to do for your digital workspace? Yeah, there's this app called Freedom, which mm. uh, will block anything that you want it to block. Oh, so nice. I, I use it to block YouTube and um, Reddit. Nice. And then like a bunch of random other like time sync websites. Mm. And it's been really useful for me to just not even give myself the option. Like nice. Not on my phone, not on my laptop. Just take the option off the table and eventually you lose the, mus- the muscle memory of like trying to open Instagram every, you know, 10 minutes. Totally. Yeah. And back to what we were saying earlier, you take like the work that prior you does to help you now or you in the future succeed is so helpful yeah. because you don't you no longer have to spend brain power on the decision. It's always like, oh, I can't, it's literally not a decision. Yeah, I can't go to YouTube. Okay, <laughs> guess I'm yeah. gonna keep working. And you, like, you always find something else to do, but yeah, you just have to slowly shape what your environment like allows you to do. Like having a default activity 
I think is an interesting idea. When you're mm. bored and you're sitting in a waiting office or waiting room of a uh, hospital or something, you know, you could pull out your phone and, you know, check your Robinhood stocks. Mm-hmm. But that's probably not the greatest like default memory because or default activity because you're getting muscle memory and eventually that's just going to become a habit. And every time you pull your phone, you're checking your Robinhood stocks. Right. And that's probably not what you want to be doing. Right. Um, yeah. So just thinking about it. Yeah. I used to have this default activity where anytime I was waiting and I had my phone nearby, I was reading on my like iBooks at the time. And then Amazon, um, the Kindle app, you can have all your books on your phone too. You don't need a Kindle to have the Kindle app. It's actually not a bad app on the phone. Um, I got away from that, but I like that idea. Um, I'm, I, I think I'll try to incorporate something like that or at least think about how I'll incorporate something like that in the future. I like that. Yeah. Well, like, what do you do when you have an hour of free time? Yeah. If you haven't planned well, an it out. Hour. An hour is a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> you have to be able to think about it in different time frames, in, right. in different environments. Because right. if you don't have it planned out, then you're going to end up doing something that's not intentional. Right. Right. Intention for everything. So the thesis of my talk today, and I hope what you walk away with, is that your habits shape who you think you are and who you actually are. And a good way for you to set up good habits and get rid of bad habits is to be very intentional about the environment you live in and surround yourself with, both digitally, socially, and physically. And I'm sure there's many more, <laughs> spatially. <laughs> and, um, and just make sure that those things either are for the things you want to be doing and who the, the type of person you want to be and they are not for the person you don't want to be so create friction in the areas that you don't want things to happen or take the take the option off the table we've removed sweets from the house we've removed youtube from will's computer and <laughs> and i think we're better because of it and um i've left my guitar out in front and i've created a room where i can come and create and i think i'm better because of it and Will's put a pull-up bar in his in his walkway in his room, and I think he's better because of it. So, design your environment, be intentional, and um, become the person you want to be. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for uh, being here. Appreciate you, man. Thanks. Where can where can they find us? <laughs> uh, living ever now at Twitter and Instagram. LivingEverNow.com. Yeah. Yeah. Discord is in the links in the description. Hell yeah! And um, yeah, thanks for being here. We'll see you next time. Yeah. Pleasure doing this with you. As always. Bye.